Welcome to another episode of One Like Equals One Prayer. I'm Josh Krause, and I'm going to be your host on this fine day today. On today's episode, we're going to discuss Hell Yeah! or Hell No. That is to say, is hell real? And will God actually send people there? Also, what happens when Christians refuse to teach about the Easter Bunny? And what does pie have to do with the Bible? Now with that being said, let's get to the good stuff and allow me to introduce my fellow Hellraisers. First up, Great Scott! It's Kevin Eccles. Yo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, Mark Thornton. Where we're going, we don't need Mark Thornton. Because I'll be gone. <laughs> now, why don't, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here, Eric Latassi? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. <laughs> One of us plays a lot of the movie. Thanks, Eric. I do like that movie. That's a good it's a movie. great. Actually, the first movie's better, but first movie's really good. I like the third one. Too. I actually I like the, the third one. Guy. I like the one. Guys, I like we can't get through the introductions without derailing ourselves. <laughs> I hate the third one. Hey, can we not bring up some some of the derailing <laughs> of the third movie? I really like. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, way to go, oh, Kevin! Oh no! Trying <laughs> to ruin movies. 1.21 gigawatts! Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. What? All right, Eric. <laughs> uh, it's time for you to talk to us about your trip to schm- Smuckers. Oh, yeah. Smuckers. Is that right? Smuck- well, the name Schmuckers. like Smuckers. 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 So I decided to go to, uh, if you guys are in southeast Michigan slash north of Ohio... Uh, Toledo has a place called Schmuckers, and it's a diner. And when you walk into this diner, it's like your hole in the wall, which is cool, uh, diner, but they have, like, Bibles there, <laughs> and, like, cards, and they, the people will tell you, have a blessed day. But anyway, I went because I wanted pie. But yeah, <laughs> it just, it was awkward to go to a diner and have Bibles for sale. King James, or New King James. Which is a useless translation, so I guess. <laughs> uh, but we're starting early. Eric Latassi, making friends. <laughs> making <laughs> friends. Losing friends. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of New King James. But uh, it's just weird. Also, uh, but I did try some pie. I tried their specials, which was a blackberry crumble. I brought home a coconut cream. And I tried their peanut butter. Their pe- butterscotch is really good. Is it true you did not bring any to share? That is absolutely correct. I did not bring any pie to share because, well... Because you're not a friendly guy. Well, apparently somebody that's hosting this show named Josh Krause doesn't like pie. Uh, Therefore, is going to hell. <laughs> I like the tie-in. That okay, was so uh, do you good. go to hell for not liking pie? I don't know. I guess that's a question we yes. should probably answer. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Okay, it's not that I don't like pie. I just... Most pie I'm just not a fan of. Like, I've had pie from... Smuck, schmuckers? Schmuckers. Schmuckers? Schmuckers. Schmuckers. Yeah, schmuck. It's schmuckers. <laughs> I've had pie from there, and I thought it was really good. That was like, I had the apple pie from there, and I think I've had, like, a cherry pie from there, and I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I just, I just, I feel like most pie is just not good. Like, you get pie bought, bought from the store, I just don't like it. I don't like pre-bought okay. pie. I, okay, so what Josh is actually saying is that he hasn't had good pie. I mean, I've had... Okay, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess that's fair. I, that's like saying, hey, I ate Oreos, and you know what? That's the standard cookie. No, it's not. But I like Chips Ahoy, the standard like chocolate cookies. chip cookie. It isn't. Do you guys think cake is better than pie, or is pie better than cake? 
pie is so much better than cake. I'm pretty sure, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can be friends with somebody who says that pie, cake is that much better than pie. What about cheesecake? Is, uh, is cheesecake a pie or a cake? It's neither. It's a cheesecake. It has cake. In it kind of gets lumped with pies, but it's it's just a cheesecake. And to answer your cake question, cake is the very lowest dessert I will even accept. <laughs> the lowest, the lowest <laughs> level of dessert. Yeah. Pie is so good. They made a song after it. So, do we have a song about cakes? Uh, birthday. I, I think Mark just dropped the mic. Yeah, I feel like they can't even, there's no reason to even argue that. Anyway. Sorry, Josh. Yeah. Sidebar, uh, or tangent, Mark learned that you can play songs in under a certain amount of time. It's okay. <laughs> Game is afoot. Uh, that's right. All right, so go back to your story about pie and the Bibles and the things and the, I don't know what you're talking about. There is some story there about Bibles and pie, right? Well, it, it just, it kind of put me off, but I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's more of a personal thing than I would say a, um, than, you know, oh, they're bad for putting out New King James versions. But uh, I, I, uh, I, I don't know, I'm just a little put off by it. I, I don't really care for that. I don't get it. Why was there a Bible? Like, what? Why was there a Bible there? I assume the owner or person who runs that wants to, you know, hey, have a nice meal and here's a Bible for you to buy. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like getting Hallmark cards at Taco Bell. Wouldn't that be kind of weird? Yeah. I don't know. But that's not the main reason, but that's partial reason of why I was a little bothered by it. Hmm. So, just to be clear, you're not saying, like... <clears throat> It's wrong for them to have a Bible for sale at a restaurant. You're just saying it was off-putting in some way. Yeah. I mean, if they want to sell Bibles at a restaurant, I mean, more power to them, I guess. I I don't really care for it, but you know, I don't know. On a side note, when I worked for Little Caesars, we sold Kid Rock CDs. <laughs> that's the same thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's like the same. I feel like that's it's the same amount of weird for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like it's you'd never guess that. I could not have guessed Kid Rock CD being the yeah. end of that sentence. Yeah, before I, I make, I want to make people more mad yeah. before we get you know. Uh, I I figured that Little Caesars quality of pizza and Kid Rock CD. <laughs> I, I think that's about <laughs> the same. The Bible and pie are two. It's like oh, you like Bible, you probably like the pie and vice versa. I just think there's more of a tie-in between Little Caesars. Caesar's $5 pizza and Kid Rock CD. <laughs> the I level like of artistic ability that Kid Rock... Uh, was Kid Rock CDs $5 as well? No, they weren't. <laughs> you thought they would be. So wait a second. They you're telling be. me you you sold something that was more expensive than the pizza. Yes. Uh, I think you're $10. First off, I hate all of Kid Rock songs. So that now I've really lowered the people who care about me at all. Right. Uh, but, I'm pretty uh, sure uh, people that listen to Kid Rock probably not listen to this podcast. I, like I could be wrong. I could I have like alienated our songs. four viewers and listeners. But I have a confession. Oh, no. If my life depended on it, I could not name a single Kid Rock song. Really? All of the bond of bang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, is, uh, that means believe. nothing to me. What's the one cowboy song? I want to be a cowboy. Yeah, the cowboy. And, um, and that ripoff of Sweet Home. Yeah, yeah, the ripoff of that song. Yep. Okay, I've heard the ripoff of Sweet Home Alabama. Yep. I did not know that was Kid Rock. Yep. That's literally the only song you mentioned that I even recognize. It's hey, about man. him listening to Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, and, and like reminiscing about like... I, oh, I know the be. song. It was like really yeah. big when I was in high school. 
Wait, what? Wasn't it? <laughs> I don't think so. No? <laughs> it was more recent. Than Am that. I completely just awful at pop culture? Is yeah. that where we're at right now? I don't think you realize who Kid Rock is. Don't worry, kids. Next, okay. next week I'm going to introduce to Kevin Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. I also could not name a Dr. Dre song if I like depended on it. So you may have to introduce me to him after the podcast. <laughs> Old school rap. That's right. Should I put Dr. Dre? I want to be a doctor on. No, it might not be appropriate <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> I know we've had a lot of things. We've had a lot of things slide, but uh, yeah. Uh, so in the news. Um, Recently, there's a foster family that actually had their foster kids taken away due to their refusal to teach about the Easter Bunny. But a court ruled in favor of them to have the kids placed back with them, their custody. Uh, so here's a story from Christianity Today, which I like how it's like the most unbiased like news network I could find source for the article, but oh well. It says, Francis and Derek Bars didn't grow up learning about the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. They didn't want to lie about the fictional figures to the three and four-year-old sisters in their care. Their convictions, based on Christian beliefs, raised concerns among the Ch- Children's Aid Society, or CAS, of Hamilton, which took the children away from the bars with just a day's notice, citing the couple's refusal to respect the girls' cultural traditions. As committed members of a small Presbyterian denomination, the bars assumed there would be instances where their values wouldn't line up with CAS, a, appro- a government-approved secular organization that they knew placed kids with same-sex parents and supported gender transition for youth but they never anticipated what happened back in 2016. If someone had told us that the Easter Bunny and Santa would team, would team up against us, we would have asked what they were smoking, said Derek Bars said this week in an interview with CT. We have a strict no-lying policy because God is the God of truth who is truth, and telling kids that Easter Bunny and Santa are real is lying. Cast staff urged Bars to explicitly incorporate the Easter Bunny, specifically the tradition of the Easter Bunny bringing chocolate Easter eggs, according to the court document. Later, one placement worker, Tracy Lindsay, expressed concern that the bars would condemn potential gay or lesbian adoptive parents for their girls, though the couple assured her otherwise, but later led to the children being removed from the bar's home. In a 62-page decision issued Tuesday, Justice Goodman concluded that CAS violated the bar's religious protections under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. He ordered that the organization update their file to reflect their standing, that the bar's history won't keep them from future opportunities to adopt or serve as foster parents. When they told us, you must lie to these children or they would be removed, we knew that we were not, we were not responsible for the result of doing what's right, and God would take care of us. Derek Bars told CT, he has upheld us. Two things. One, this was in Canada. Yeah. And two, for those of you who are listening that did not realize that Santa Claus wasn't real, as well as the Easter Bunny, I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I did once ruin Santa Claus for a five-year-old child without realizing it. I still feel a little guilty about that. But I mean, like, okay, I have no idea. So maybe I'll ask this question to start off. What is Canadian law when it comes to religious expression and taking care of foster kids? Do we have any idea? No. Okay. I can only tell you what American law is, or at least as far as Michigan is concerned, because I tried... I had, started doing the fostering I actually finished my fostering classes and all that Mm -hmm. and so in relation to that I can tell you that 
uh, you in no way, form, or shape can like influence or suggest or change whatever a kid, whatever they come to you with, like whatever religious beliefs they are. You can in no way like change or influence that. So if they're like a Muslim or you know a Buddhist or something, you can't be like, hey, you should be a Christian, and they're like, hey, here's a Bible. Maybe you should read this. This would be cool instead of your Quran or something like that. So what? Okay. So as an example for an American couple, say you have an American couple where both parents attend church. Mm. Does that mean they can't attend church together because one of them has to be with the kid? And okay, so to take the kid to I think here's the thing. What? I think if the kid wants to go on their own accord, I think mm-hmm. they can go. But I don't think you can in any way be like, hey, you're, Billy, you're coming with us to church, I think, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I Do people do that? I'm sure, yes, people do that. And I'm, I don't think they could, I mean, unless someone, a Basha worker really knew that that was happening, I don't think they could get away with it. But I think, in theory, I don't think you're supposed to, you're not really allowed to do that. You're not supposed to be able to coerce or, not coerce, but you're not supposed to, like, for somebody to go to like a specific religious practice if it's against right. their own religious mm-hmm. beliefs or doesn't line up to what their beliefs are. You're supposed to encourage them. Like if they want to go to a Buddhist temple and they're Buddhist, then they want to go there on Sunday, then you have to take them there. If that's where they want to go on Sunday or arrange a way for them to get there on, you know, whatever day would be for the worship. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like I'm not incensed by this story and right. super angry about it. I guess my thing is like a couple things is interesting. Um, so Eric, Kevin, you guys have kids. Are you guys gonna do the East? Are you guys doing like Easter Bunny or Santa stuff from your own with your own kids? Are you guys gonna do that? We're celebrating Saint Nicholas Day, okay. which is like December sixth, because okay. he was an actual guy. Yeah, and his Saint Day is December sixth. So we're gonna do stockings and everything early, like on December sixth on his day, okay. and we're gonna tell him about like the actual Saint Nicholas, who was a bishop in the church, and like. He did, like he gave gifts and he would put things in people's stockings as the story goes. And that's why we celebrate stockings at all. You know, so like, yes, I'm going to celebrate Santa Claus, but like as the historical actual St. Nicholas. Um, so that's a super confusing yes and no answer. <laughs> are you still going to give presents on Christmas? Oh, yeah. Are you, okay. Are but you, Santa's not going to bring you presents doing, on Christmas. Okay, I'm going to give my kids presents. That's a question. And yeah. I'm assuming you're not going to do like Easter Bunny or something like that. Right? We're probably going to make Easter baskets. But I'm not going to, like, pretend like the Easter Bunny brought it. I'm going to be like, hey, kid, I hid your Easter basket. Let's go find it and eat candy together. All right. Probably not. Probably not. Okay. I only asked you just because, in your opinion, I mean, are you doing it because you're, like, you feel like you're lying to your kid? Is that a reason you're not doing it? And do you think there's, like, a problem with that? If, 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 is it lying to your kid? Okay. So, you're not telling the truth. Yes. So, I mean, essentially... Yes, you're lying. But is it lying to the point where it's something to, like, it's really going to, like, go against your conscience? Is that a reason why you wouldn't do it, I guess, is my question. Mine personally, no. Okay. But if these people who thought it was against their conscience were in my church, I would let them not do it for those reasons. Like, I would support them in following their conscience. Okay. Because, like, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. If somebody believes that something is, you know, going to be harmful or sinful or damaging to themselves or others, you don't tell them to go do it anyway. Right. Like you let them be conservative. You let them like say, hey, look, this is something I'm really not supposed to do. Um, Francesca didn't have it for them. Their parents just said, hey, we're not going to lie to you. Even though they did lie to them about other things in their life. But uh, they didn't lie to them about that. And they said that when you're around other kids, you do not ruin it for them. You have right. to play along. But so between the two of us, that's what she said. And I didn't have an opinion really on the matter at the time. So yeah, that's fine. But, uh, personally, I 
think each kid's going to be different. I mean, some kids love the story and make-believe. Right. Other kids, like, I remember when I, because my parents told me about the Tooth Fairy and all those, I was really not happy when I found out. And I found out by tricking my mom. I said, oh, this is a really nice puzzle. Uh, where did you get it? And she told me where she got it. I was like, oh, that's funny. It's from Santa. And so I tricked her, the logic, as a kid. And I was kind of like, I don't know, I was kind of <laughs> frustrated with uh, my parents lying to me about that, just because I was like, you know, who are you to, you obviously will lie to your, a kid. I don't know, I just, I kind of distrusted him after that. But then again, that's my take on it. Like, would my son feel the same way? Who knows? Maybe not. Right. Maybe he loves the whole thing. Yeah. But I, I don't really care either way, so. Is it wrong to celebrate Christmas with your kid and Easter? No, Christians celebrate pagan holidays often. That's right. Oh, gosh. Halloween. And they look forward to it. You know, trunk or treat and all that, all the nonsense that they do during Halloween. You, you just celebrate just Halloween. Do, yeah, just do trick or treat, man. Just go do just it. Just do it. Just I mean, do it. who cares? If, oh, it's Harvest Festival. No. <laughs> call, doing, it, call, it, call it what it is. All You're doing Hall- Halloween. All Hallows' Eve. So, no. Yeah, Christians, are, I mean, Christians are notorious for picking pagan holidays and slapping Christ on it. They've been doing it for centuries. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like, yeah, personally... I personally never slapped like uh, there was uh, me growing up. I like I was told Easter Bunny. I actually just found out nonchalantly. I think one day I'm just like, "This isn't real, is it?" My mom's like, "No." <laughs> All right, like it was just it was <laughs> no, one of those things. I'm like, "Well, I'm still getting presents. So, like, I'm I'm cool with it." Like, you were so chill about it because you were 14. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Wow, like, I was like, wow, my ten. Yeah, and then I got in my car and I drove away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I went to my job. <laughs> no, I came here. <laughs> I went to my house. Yeah. No, I just, I was just, I was just curious if it was like wrong because, like, I honestly don't know if and when I'll ever, if and when I'll ever have a kid. I honestly don't know if, like, right. uh, if yeah. I will or not. Because, like, in my mind, like in my head, growing up, like it wasn't the end of the world finding out. It wasn't like wrong. Yeah. So I was just asking, like, would it be, like, wrong if, like, I celebrated it? And if they didn't want to believe it, I'd just flat out tell them. Like, if they asked me, I'd be like, listen, it's not really. Like, we just wanted to support you in whatever decision you want to make. Like, if you want to celebrate it, that's cool. But I don't know. Yeah. What if your child knows it's wrong, knows it's fake, but and they still keep want lying. to celebrate it? <laughs> no, but they still want to celebrate it. What oh, if yeah. they know it's fake, yeah. and, like, you tell them, and like, well, I still want to celebrate it. Is it wrong to still celebrate it? No, no. I mean, I think giving your kids gifts because you want to give your kids gifts. I mean, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I was like fresh and I didn't have, like, I think I was three and my parents were like, there's no such thing as Santa. And then we stopped celebrating Christmas altogether. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's, like one end of the, that's one end of the spectrum. And so <laughs> I was like coming from that. I think for the longest time I was against like Santa but now, like, I'm, like, totally, like, I'm going to go buy a Santa outfit, like, next See? year and, like, do it up. Like, I put lights up, you know, I decorate my house. Like, I'm a crazy, like, Christmas freak. I love Christmas. So I, I I'm going to go like hardcore Christmas with, like, lying to my kids about Santa. Because, like Eric said, I'll probably lie to them in the future anyway. <laughs> next too. But, Just um, getting used to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> at least you need to learn that people who you trust are going <laughs> yeah, to lie you down continually. Lie. <laughs> they will lie to you. <laughs> That's what you basically just said. It's a life scale for you to learn. <laughs> learn it early. You cannot rely on anyone. Here you go. You know, I didn't think the Christmas portion of the podcast would be this dark. <laughs> just... Speaking of dark stuff, 
Today's topic, we're going to be looking at hell. Um, <laughs> Here for it, hell goes not. by so many names. Hades, you know, from, from Hercules. Um, Sheol, the Lake of Fire. Um, Gehenna, just to name a few. And from Dante's Inferno to the comic strip Dilbert. I haven't even heard of that. Um, one thing is for certain, human beings seems to be really obsessed with the idea of eternal damnation and torment. So the question for today is, does hell really exist? And if it does, what is it really? And will God send people there? So let's go ahead and find out. So, um, what does hell? What would hell look like? It like, what do you guys think hell looks like? So I'm open a floor for topics here. Feels so special. No one wants to talk. Well, hell's pretty non-existent in Old Testament. And okay, so yeah, I guess we can just go ahead and jump off from there. So I think that's the biggest thing is like if you're gonna make an argument. I, okay, so I really feel like this comes down to one of two things: either if hell's real, is it like? Is it what people think of like this fiery, like, you know, people with the devil with pitchforks, like torturing people, like Dante's Inferno type of thing? Like, is it that? Or is it the idea of like just this internal separation, kind of just just nothing from separation from God? I feel like those are the two main major like schools of thought as, as far as what hell is, if, if it, you know, the people that consider hell to be real, those are the two areas that they like people consider it to be one or the other. I have a. I was going to say, I think what you're saying, Eric, is like the Old Testament doesn't really ever mention anything about this fire, brimstone, being tortured, you know, dealio. Like, we don't see that till, and really, if you look into it, I feel like it's not until the middle century, like, you know, the, the medieval times, maybe early, like, maybe early, like, 11th, 12th century, where we see this idea of, like, this horrible, torturous, like, terrible place with fire and all this stuff and things like that. I know there's some scriptural reference that mention things like fire as far as, like, some sort of torment, but I don't know that that's specifically what it's... People take those verses to apply that to, that this is hell, this is, like, the afterlife. If you're not in heaven, you're in hell, and it's fire and it's bad. It's not good. Here's a question for Kevin. Okay. Because I know Kevin will probably give me some sort of educational answer. So, you know, when um, hell is apparently, like, run by Satan, you know, Satan with a pitchfork and whatnot, and Satan is, um, Satan, his, some historians, not saying it's true or not, but just leaving it out there for discussion, some people say that he used to be an angel. So, Kevin, what happened? Like, There's a lot of, like, <laughs> premises <laughs> and assumptions. <laughs> so, hey, one question. <laughs> okay. Just answer this one question, Kevin. That's it. What happened to Satan? <laughs> yeah. Like, how did Satan, Satan go from well, being I mean, like, an angel to being in charge of a literal flaming hell? Yeah, like, um, well, that's like, assuming there is a literal flaming hell. Yeah. That's assuming Satan and Lucifer, the angel of light, are the same person, which is never explicitly stated in Scripture. Sure. It's assuming that the burning lake of fire that the devil gets thrown into in the book of Revelation and the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth for the people who are late to the wedding banquet is the same place. And so, like, this is the crux of the issue for scriptural interpretation about eternity and life and death after death, right? Is, does scripture use 
all of these different stories and parables and prophecies and apocalyptic literature in the book of Revelation and the second half of Daniel, like are all of those very different writings describing one literal place after death or not. Um, because the, the kind of the, the stereotypical Protestant view of an eternal torment called hell is based on the assumption that we can interpret scripture that every single time there's a mention of punishment after death, it's talking in some way literally and about the exact same thing in every case. And so the idea that there's a place of torment, we get that it's a burning lake of sulfur from Revelation where God threw the devil after the final battle. We get that it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth from the parable of the wedding banquet that Jesus told in the New Testament. We get that it's a place where you're always thirsty and you never have enough of anything from the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, um, again, by Jesus. You know, and if all of those things are referring to just one aspect of the afterlife and they're all meant to be taken literally, then yeah, you can start putting those things together. But Josh mentioned it when he wrote the intro that you read for so well, that there's like a bunch of different words for what hell is within scripture. They all get translated hell in English, but like the original languages have lots of different ways of talking about it. And so there's good reason to think that there's lots of different ideas about the afterlife that all informed what the first century Christians and what the Old Testament Jews would have thought about the afterlife. And by extension, there's good reason to believe that they're, they don't all have to overlap and be talking about the same thing. Um, they're parables. They could have just been told to make a point. And they may not be intended to be taken literally. We shouldn't take that for granted. Thank um, you, Kevin. That's exactly what like I'm serious, that's exactly what I wanted. Hey man, happy to get on a soapbox. <laughs> uh, let's 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 circle back a little bit too about those different word usages. Uh, I know Mark, you mentioned uh, shale. That was always one of my favorite words, a shale, because it sounds fun to say. Shale. 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 I even know I said it right. But um I think so and I um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that the original Hebrew translation is just grave for that, correct? I am not good at Hebrew. <laughs> like, really not good at Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew. I just read that in an article earlier today, so that's the only reason I think that's what it means. <laughs> I trust that you are correct as much as I trust an article that I've never seen in cancel. <laughs> I've seen some uh, scholars much. say into nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Into non Yeah, non, non-existent. Non-being yeah. and emptiness is yeah. my... Right amalgamation of what so, I have read on the topic, that's kind of the idea of shale. Okay. It's a shadow afterlife. Yeah. Okay, that's. I think that's probably that's better than just the grave. I'm gonna, I, I, mm-hmm. That's very general. I think that what you're saying is better, the idea of this nothing, just non-existent. But I think, see, and I think somewhere along the lines, if you look at the King James Bible in the old word, if you look at the old translation of the word shale, they actually translate all that word into hell. And so I think from that, we get this modern idea, idea that, you know, like I said, this whole Dante's infernal idea of like what hell is, because back in the Old Testament, you know, there wasn't that idea of anything like that when it was written, you know, during time of the Jews, Israelites, those type of things. There wasn't that idea of like this modern idea of hell, of what it was, that that's when you died, that you'd go. It was just nothing. That's where you went into. And so I feel like sometimes I feel like almost, it's almost like this trick that modern Christianity has devised to scare people into getting saved, quote unquote, because of this idea of this fiery, horrible, awful torment. 
I don't know what you guys think about that, if you have an opinion on that. But. I think that it's certainly used that way. Um, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say that it was invented to scare people. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. I know, yeah, and that's, yeah, I agree. I'm not saying, okay. I'm not saying it was just purposely invented for that purpose. I but think it's been used. It has been used, yeah. and maybe more so in the last century than maybe, well, no, I won't say that. I mean, I guess probably like early, I guess the Middle Ages, I feel like definitely people were... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you've got sinners in the hands of the angry God. Right. Jonathan Edwards, sermon, where he literally says, hey, look, you know, you're dangling over the fires of hell tonight. If God lets go, you are burning forever. So you better come repent. You know, and that's oh, good night. Jonathan Edwards. Was he what? 18th century, late 18th, something like that. You know, and you're right. Like the medieval period, they were always doing it. Dante's Inferno. Although I think Dante's Inferno was equal parts political propaganda. Yeah. And, you know, like Middle Ages supernatural TV show. Um, like, I think it was meant to entertain as much like as it was to educate. It was like pure shock value. Yeah. Like, well, because the three people in the mouth of Satan in the bottom circle of hell, um, Judas, which makes sense, he betrayed God. But the other two are Cassius and Brutus, <laughs> like the guys who murdered Caesar. Julius oh, man. Caesar. That's a plug for the Ides of March. Right. We should have done this. On we should have done this on the Ides of March. But yeah, like, so, <sighs> like, sweet. so Dante, when he writes of the worst, most despicable human beings on the planet, he uses one of the three spots for somebody who killed Jesus. He uses the other two for somebody who assassinated the leader of the Roman Empire. So, like, <laughs> you know, you can kind of see the political propaganda just kind of sitting there, right? So we shouldn't ever use Dante's Inferno as a work of theology. Ever. Ever. <laughs> so, like, just, just no. Um, but the deal with... I, for, I lost where I was starting from. Um, Crud. There was something power. I was going to that was, like, important. What were we talking about? That's important. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. Are people using uh, hell just to scare people? Yes. Yeah, so scare so the story I really wanted to get to at the end of that was, like, I, I was a youth pastor for, like, six years. And there's this one particular conference that I took my kids to on a, on a regular basis, like, more or less every year. One of you has gone there, and I'm, the I'm, other I'm, one was a chaperone there, and the third of you... Probably never would have gone voluntarily. That's right. You would have been dragged there. Yeah, right. Yeah, screaming. So, but like the whole idea behind this conference was that your friends are likely going to hell if they don't believe in God. Right. And so you should go tell them about it right now before they burn. It was literally, you it should. It was like, you should soup. text, get out your phone right yeah. now and text, there's 10 people yeah, and you text 10 people yep. and like you had to like stand up and be like, I texted 10 people right, right. now that they're going to hell. So like looking back on it, I kind of cringe, right? Like looking back on it, I, I kind of like just kind of went with it because somebody told me that they'd done it before and I should keep taking kids to this. And so I did, but looking back on it now, I'm like, wow, that was, that was really like, not at all what I would have taught them. And that's kind of awful. Um, to the point where one year it was, it was a joke, but it became serious (laughs) because we actually made the t-shirts like that was friends don't let friends go to hell on a t-shirt and yeah. Okay. So Mark still got his, I have mine too. I I think mine like fell apart. I'm too fat for mine, but I have mine still. (laughs) So, but like, I think that's a great example of like the scare tactic though. Like your friends are going to this literal place where they're going to burn for all eternity. And so... You need to do something about it right now. And I think the most damaging thing we can do with the theology of hell is we can make it about, we can make all of Christianity about avoiding hell. Right. Right. Like people love playing that pen and pen quote uh, from Penn and Teller. 
where he's sitting there saying, well, if you believe in hell and you don't proselytize, you don't tell people that they should convert, well, then you, you're a heartless person. And he's right. Yeah. But if you reduce Christianity to, I don't want to burn in hell, so I better do what I need to do to get out, you've kind of like gutted the soul of what it means to follow Christ. I, and I think that kind of is a callback to our last episode on salvation, which you can reference in our archives. I'm going to just put a plug for ourselves in there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the idea that remember we, I, we talked about how if the whole purpose of Christianity is you're worrying about your salvation, that it's like such a selfish point of view that mm-hmm. if, if all if all this is boils down to whether or not you're going to be in heaven or hell when you die, then you're completely missing the whole point. Um. So I guess let's go back a little bit then. Um, so can we make for can we make a statement here and say whether or not we believe hell what if what hell is if it exists like I mean I think it exists right I mean I think it exists. I think that it's clear that Scripture teaches that there are some who will be separated from God. Okay. Yes, and I I will go that far for right. sure. Okay. If anyone else wants to jump in, I've been talking a lot. Do we feel comfortable saying that what it is, it's probably just simply, is it, is it nothing or is it like more so this idea of this separate, eternal separation? It's a place you don't want to be. I mean, what does that look like? I guess. I, uh, I read today cause I was doing some prep, um, which I didn't get to do full prep. Someone bumped, but, uh, one of the things I read, which is, I kind of agree with is it's God's best he can do. Like, if you don't want to be around God, well, there's a place <laughs> that you can't, that you can choose not to be. I mean, and I think, personally, there's going to be some Christians there. It doesn't really matter who you are. It's it's more about, if you don't want God in your life, there's a place. Now, is there a physical place? I mean, you're opening up another can of worms of, if I have a physical body after I die... Will I be resurrected? Am I a spirit? Do you go to heaven? Do you go to purgatory? You know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. There's so many questions. There's so uh, many questions, yeah. and there's no answers. No scriptural. No one world, in this room is dead. Oh, really? Unless this is a Sixth Sense episode. Oh, but, uh... Sixth Sense coming to you live. Yep. <laughs> but, well, yeah. And I, I, I like what Eric just said, because it, like, my Wesleyan soul is just, like, singing right now, because... I, I agree that hell exists because it's a consequence of free will. Like God allows us to choose to reject him. Yeah. And so there has to be somewhere other than the place where you choose to accept him and accept your will for life and accept to be like him. If you choose to reject that, there has to be somewhere. Right. And so I think that other place where either you aren't prepared um, and like the, the parable of the 10 virgins you know, some of them had extra oil, some of them were prepared, and some of them weren't. And so the ones that weren't were not able to get into the banquet. You know, you knew me not, you know. It's not even necessarily a pronouncement of judgment about how evil they were. And that's what I think is interesting about the difference between Jesus's parables about hell and what many churches teach about what hell is and why it exists. You know, for Jesus, it's you missed it. It Jesus, it's about you were invited to the banquet and you didn't come. Or you tried to come to the banquet, but you didn't actually prepare for it. You didn't give it the weight that it was actually due. 
You know, like you, you sort of came, you brought a lamp, you had a little bit of oil in the lamp and that's fine, but you didn't really invest in it. You didn't bring extra oil. You were not, you weren't prepared, you know? And so when the time came, you weren't ready. You were left, you were left outside. Um, that's a super different narrative from Jesus sitting on the throne, pronouncing judgment and casting people into a lake of fire. Right. You know, like, because even when Jesus talks about judgment and his role at Judgment Day in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 25, he separates people based on how they treated others, not based on how they treated him. You know, he says to those of you who visited the hungry or visited those who were sick and in prison, who fed the hungry, who gave water to those who were thirsty, clothed those who were naked. I think those are the five things he mentions. Right. And so like the people who did those things and call him Lord. He's like, well, come in, you know, enjoy your master's rest. And to those people who call him Lord, but didn't do those things, you know, he says, well, I I don't know. I never knew you, you know? And so again, it's not even just you're awful. You're horrible. You're the worst ever. I'm going to chuck you in a lake of fire now. It's look, you're calling me Lord, but you didn't do the things you need to do. I I don't, I don't know you. It almost as if saying that when you die, there's, it's not necessarily a going to hell. It's almost as if getting left behind. Yeah, and I, I don't like the connotations of that particular phrase. So if we take the literal meaning, like, you're left out. You know, there's something good and you're left out. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. I'm thinking of the movies. Tim Lay and Jeremy Jenkins? Yes. Yes. Wasn't there, there was a new one that came out with... Um... Nick Cage? <laughs> I, I have it. Very fitting. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's very fitting. I haven't seen hey, it yet. It was Ghost Rider, so it kind of makes sense that, like, I mean, you got left behind. I haven't seen Ghost Rider either. There's a guy from Hell. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just failing at pop culture. I haven't yeah. seen Ghost Rider either. Okay. Or the Left Behind movies. Yeah. Well, you're not missing the whole lot. I read all the books, though. Good. Oh. You're not missing. Like, That's all, like, you're raising the church. Them. You should have read That's right. You need to learn about rapture. I didn't read the kids' version. Sure it's true. Sure. Quote, quote, quote. <laughs> nope. I didn't. Sure I didn't. You're ready. Did anyone read the kids' version of the, I did. the Left Behind oh, ones? I didn't read the kid ones. Those are horrible. Are they? Yeah. I'm sorry. I read, I was, the regular I, ones are horrible. I wasn't allowed to read the regular ones because they were too graphic, I think, and too violent. Yeah, there were, like, beheadings and stuff. So, did you not read the old. Testament? Yeah, well, we just didn't. We didn't even. <laughs> did you miss that? Like, back then, that wasn't today. You know, we can read the Bible. Two thirds of the Bible. Did you read about Jesus like, being crucified? the Old Testament. Or... Like, here, let's deliver the people of God by driving a tent peg through someone's skull. Yes. Yeah, that's a br- like that's that's okay because that's, that's in the Bible. Story. It's so hardcore. But reading about a beheading in a book it makes it's fiction awesome in the Bible because of that story. It does. Great. Well, not only is there the woman who killed the general, but there's also the judge who was called to save Israel yes. is a different woman leader. Deborah's awesome. Deborah. Yep. Deborah, what was the other girl's name? The one that jail. actually jail. Yes. Um, okay. So, uh, getting slightly back on topic. So, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out the segue into what some of the things that you were saying, but there's a lot of ideas dropped there, though. Like Kevin and I are kind of schmoozling over sanctification, justification, atonement, and all that stuff, because literally you'd have to break those down, which we have no answers for. We have good ideas about. Right. <laughs> Remember what happened last time we put sanctification in a podcast? Yeah. We cut it all. <laughs> yeah, hey, that'll be out kickstarter. We need to have an entire episode on <laughs> sanctification, and then you and I can just duke it out, and it'll be great. Mm. I'll go really like, get 
a pizza or something. It was weird because you guys said duke it out, and that you guys are kind of agreeing on this topic. On this one, yeah. yeah. We have different ideas on sanctification and what that means. You know, I'm um, sitting here, I agree with Eric. Just, what? This isn't going to sound. So, <laughs> does God send anybody to hell then? I a better he, question. He and I, and I'm gonna okay, you did, but I'm gonna I want to hit a little bit more because I'm gonna answer my question with a different question. comment, but not really. I don't know. Okay, so the question then would be: Does God send people to hell? And then I'm gonna say uh, the only people who are in hell are people who choose choose to be there. And is that correct? Would you say? Is that a factual statement? I could say yes to both of those. Okay. Um, but because of what I believe about free will and about God and his justice, that's why I believe them to be the exact same thing. I'm kind of with him on that. I believe that God only sends people to hell in the sense that he is just and some people chose to be there. And God is not willing to override their choice. And so, like, he is an active agent. Like, he's not passive and just, like, leaving the door open and letting us walk one way or the other. But because of our choices... He makes his judgment, which is his right. So, like, yeah, I asked to both. I'm pretty much going to say the same thing as Kevin. Because, one, you have, he's right by saying, like, you can't, like, God, you have the choice. Mm. And then others, some people, and maybe I could be wrong on this, but some people may truly, like, want to go up to heaven. Then they just do all these wrong things and they still want to go up there. And then God says, well, I'm sorry, you did not, you can you did not. I'm. I cannot let you in. I cannot. Like, maybe like God will send them to hell in that sense. If that makes sense. Okay. I guess maybe a better question would be: If I do wrong things, does that mean I'm going to hell all the time? If I'm always doing wrong things. Does that mean I'm going to hell? That's a good question. Or is it okay? So is it either? I don't care about God. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't even believe in God. So I'm quote-unquote, I'm going to hell now. Or is it, you know what, I, maybe I believe in God, I don't know, but, you know, I'm still going to steal and rob and do stuff, and I'm kind of not a great guy, but, you know, maybe God's real, I don't know. Which of those two people are going to, I mean, I guess now we're making judgment calls, I was saying not God. Yeah, but, I feel like I, you're, you're trying to say, where does morality fit in? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It doesn't. Because, okay, because this is why. Because ultimately, God's not making a judgment call if you're saying, you know what, I don't believe in you. So God's not making a judgment call because you're choosing, essentially. You're not choosing. You don't want to be with God in eternity. You're just like, whatever else there is, I don't believe in you, so I'm going this way. But if you're a person who's, like, making, you know, bad decisions, at that point, I feel like God has to be like, well, you know, maybe you could have done better, so sorry. I guess you don't really believe in me because you didn't really act like it. At that point, that makes you think God is making a judgment call to like, yes, you're going to hell. That's kind of what I was trying to say. Yeah. But you got it. I think to answer that, I would repeat a question that Jesus asked. Like, if there are two sons, and the father asks them both to do something, right? And the first son comes up and says, well, yeah, of course, father, I'm going to go do that. And then he doesn't. And the second son comes up and is like, okay, there's no way I'm doing that. And then he goes away and he's like, you know, I really should. My dad asked me to do that. I want to be, I want to honor him. And then he goes and does it after all. You know, Jesus asked the question like, well, which one of these was honoring his father? Which one of these was obedient? And everyone's like, well, duh, the son who actually did the thing dad asked him to, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think that 
because of that one verse, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you should be saved, you and your household. You know, like, yes, Paul uttered those words. They're in scripture, you know. Um, I think we hang way too much on the idea of believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you should be saved. Because when Jesus himself talks about judgment, he doesn't talk about belief. He talks about action. Mm. What did you do? You know, and then he tells that story, that, that parable of the two sons. And he obviously sides with the one who verbally rejects and yet goes and does exactly what his father asked him to do. So if you just pay attention to the words of Christ himself, what you do and whether or not you are actually obedient seems to be way more important than what you say you believe. Okay. I like that. Just good. No, we are in the hour time, I think. So, part of me thinks, though, if Stalin, on his deathbed, repents, and says, hey, you know what, I have been wrong, I murdered all these people, I feel so guilty, God, forgive me, and then utters his last breath. I mean, it sounds like you guys just condemned him, he's going to hell. Whereas if I met Stalin in heaven, I would not feel anything because God's very big on redemption so it's kind of like where you guys sit there and I guess I mean, that was going to be my follow up question because is it fair that a person so I'm like well, okay let's take Hitler right he's a cliched example of like you know guys responsible for millions upon millions of yeah people Eric stuff. was just pretending to avoid yeah, 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 yeah I went up being worse Stalin I went up I'm German so I can one up you I can say it no I like Russian yeah so, like, yeah, Hitler does all these bad things, let's say, then, you know, before he offs himself, which, I mean, that would probably not let him couldn't have you anyway, if you're a Catholic anyway, but, uh, um, he, he repents right then and there. He says, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I kill all the Jews. I'm a bad man. I'm a bad, bad man. You know, I'm ready to, can you save me, please, or something. That's like, the worst confession ever, hopefully. No one ever says it like that. But, but that's is that fair, though? Is that confession. fair? Yeah, it's a confession. Let's say, let's, let's say, okay. But is that fair then that, like, God's like, okay, you know, we kill all these people, it's okay, come on, you know, you Jesus, must love me now. Jesus know. does cite uh, the wages of the people, and you got the guy who works all day, and he makes the same amount of wages mm-hmm. as the guy who put in an hour. Okay, right. And so, I'm going to go ahead and quote the, uh, the, the great band, Reliant K. <laughs> Good. <laughs> when they say the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Mm. You know, like they're, most of their songs are not deep theology, <laughs> but that is a great line. Like the that. beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. And I totally agree with you. Jesus is like on the cross and there's the thief, a right. criminal next to yeah, him. That's what I was going to say too. I was going to say. And he's just like, yeah. you know, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus is like, I'll see you there today. Right. Another, a, a convict being, yeah, you know, put like, to death for He probably deserves crimes. to be there. Right. You know, like, and he has no opportunity for doing anything good other than to reprimand the other thief and say, this guy doesn't deserve to be here, even yeah. if we do. He's like, yep, Jesus, you know. So I, I look forward to seeing people who realized on their deathbed that they have done wrong. Okay. Like, I want it to be unfair, especially if it's right. unfair in yeah, our it's, favor. it's unfair in a good way. I'm not, yeah, I should, I should clarify that. I'm not saying, you're like, why, God, are you saving people, you know? Yeah, saving the church. Stop it. Why are you doing this? Well, no, I mean, not, I'm just asking a question. I'm yeah, right. no, I, I'm yeah. with you, though. Yeah. Like, the beauty of the, the message of grace in Scripture is that it doesn't have to be fair. Mm-hmm. It's explicitly not fair. And I think that's why sometimes, like, that teaching, like, of Jesus, that parable, I feel like it's, like, 
they didn't get it. Like, they're like, what? Like, what are you, this is not, this is, because the human way of understanding things of what is and is not fair, mm -hmm. it's so completely contrary to what God says is and is, is not mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Let's get to some questions. I think it's interesting that we're mentioning a lot of things around sin, but we're not saying if you live a sinful life, you're going a certain way. But it's interesting because I feel like in a lot of churches today, the message has always been, if you're leading down the wrong path and you're going towards sin, you're going to hell. And if you're reading the righteous path, you're going... It's interesting that that's not where the conversation has gone. Right. But yet, that's what we keep hearing in churches but I think, today. But yet, then I think that, that only amplifies the idea of this fiery, horrible, awful, terrible hell place that sin's super so bad that you need to have a terrible super... Not saying sin isn't bad, but I'm saying that it kind of go together, I feel like. Perhaps sin is not well understood. I think, too, I mean, you guys go to a church where I happen to know the pastors. Um, one of them being my wife and the other being me. We do? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, like, when we talk about sin, we're very careful to talk about it as tragic and harmful, but not as something to be punished or needing justice or crusaded against, you know? Like, this is something where if somebody is leading a sinful life, it's tragic. It is harmful to them and the people around them. And we hope that God redeems that and makes it something good. Like, repentance is not like, I am a dirt, dirty, worthless person and God, please make me worth something. Like, repentance is realizing, God, I was made for better than this and I have been wrong. I don't like that definition, but go on. It's not a def definition. It's just the way we talk about it. Okay. Uh, okay, so what do you guys say to some of the verses, specifically in the Bible, that suggest that uh, hell is a literal fire? So Matthew 25, 41, taking this quietly out of context, something I love to do to make bad points. But it says, uh, then you will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It seems to suggest that hell is a literal fire. If you read everything literally, yes. Because that's not something that Jesus told people in front of him. That's something Jesus said he might say in a story. Like, this is buried within another narrative. This is not... And then Jesus turned to the evil people and said, you're going to burn in hell. This is Jesus talking about what might happen in a judgment day in the future. Hypothetical context. Well, not even necessarily hypothetical. It's just... When you tell a good story that is meant to illustrate a point or some truth, the details and the facts of what you might say and when and exactly how are not the point. Like, if you read that story, nobody with any ounce of sense of narrative would read that and go, you know, I think the point of this story is to tell us about hell. <laughs> right? Like, there's a whole chapter leading up to that that talks about what is important and how judgment will be pronounced and what makes those two groups of people different. What makes you acceptable in God's sight is the moral of that story. That story was never intended to teach us about hell. Okay. Uh, if a person goes to hell, are they able to repent and then go to heaven? If not, doesn't this violate free will? I hope so, and I don't know. Why would loving God create a place? 
Why would a loving guy create a place of eternal torment? See what Eric said earlier. Who will go to hell? Hopefully no one. If a person never had a chance to accept the gospel, are they now in hell? No, no, no. I guarantee you it's not 100% of those people. No, they definitely are not necessarily in hell. So the Native Americans, are they in hell right now? Well, I mean, according to this belief, Native Americans are in hell. A lot of Abraham's descendants are in hell. Maybe even Abraham's in hell. I mean, depending on who you ask. But, you know, they'll probably bring some other system theme, systematic theology to say, oh, no, he's not. It's a ridiculous question. Because it's one or the other, right? It's either literally everybody before Jesus is in hell. It's not. Or the only time scripture addresses this is that Jesus went down into Sheol and preached to the people who were killed in the flood. So they had a chance. <laughs> so, like, the only time scripture addresses those that died before the covenant or outside of the covenant before Christ's coming is to say that Jesus went and gave them a chance. And that, to me, is not literal. That is not literal theology. To me, that is creative theology. That is, hey, this is what we think God would have done when he was in during those (laughs) three days. Yes. Let's push that out there for a second. (laughs) Yes. It's creative theology. Yes. This is probably what he would have done. (laughs) No, but the point, what what I was saying is that that's another example of the parable where the point of the story is way more important than the details of the story. The point of that passage of scripture is not exactly what Jesus did during the three days when his body was dead and in the tomb. The point of that story is that no one is beyond redemption, not even the people who were killed in the flood. Yeah. No one is without opportunity to accept God. Right, that's the point of it. Yeah, yeah that's it's, the point. It's it's making an analogy, not an analogy, but it's making a It's uh, making a, a theological point. point. Yeah. yeah, not just like, no this one, is literally what happened. It's right. like, so let's make a doctrine he about went, it. He preached for three yeah. days and three nights in hell and everybody repented. Well, it can't be three days and three nights because he was killed on <laughs> Friday evening. Two, two and a half d- d- Then you have Friday and, night, uh, Saturday day, Saturday the, night, and then Sunday morning he was already resurrected. Oh, I think we failed Easter. I know. At most, you've got like, you know, a little less than 48 hours. Rob Bell says, what we believe about heaven and hell is incredibly important because it exposes what we believe about who God is and what God is like. Thoughts? I think it, what my belief on heaven and hell exposes what I think and my feelings are and not what actually is. Sure. Why are there so many similarities between what Christians understand to be as hell versus pagan or secular stories about eternal damnation? See what Kevin said earlier. Which part? I'm not sure I answered that. <laughs> I think I talked about this a little bit earlier about saying like this whole idea that, you know, you didn't see maybe this arise of this fiery brimstone, terrible, awful hell torment stuff until yeah. like early, like the middle centuries time. Yeah. All of us everybody has centuries. a creation story. Sure. Everybody has a damnation story. Everybody has a resur- mm-hmm. or save story. There's people with resurrection stories. I just Right. Well, I, I agree. Like the Epic of Gilgamesh is a story about a dude and a giant flood, right? The story of Noah is a story about a dude and a giant flood. And what's interesting about those two stories is not fighting over who's right, but seeing about what is different in the story of Noah and the flood versus yeah. the story of Gilgamesh and the flood. That's what How is God portrayed in a different way to people who were ancient Jews, you know? And so kind of by the same way, like the fact that there's a belief about punishment that is common to lots of different religions and faiths and cultures, what makes that interesting is what is different about the way Christian faith portrays that. And that gets back to Rob Bell's point where he said, hey, look, what you believe about hell tells us a lot about what you believe about God. 
You know, I think that's the point of most of our theology is it tells us who God is. And is if we get to start fighting over details on who's right and who's wrong and absolute truth, we're missing the point that all of Christianity is designed to lead us to God. The person, God, not the idea, not the set of beliefs, not the theologies about God, but God himself. I think that's the piggyback, but what's really great is you have the Hebrews of what they thought about God with the flood story. You have, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh. And then you have the huge ark that we build. <laughs> and what state is that again? Is it Kentucky or is it in... I don't know. It's answers in Genesis. My parents went to that. I just want to throw that out there. They yeah, so... They show me slides so of it. our thoughts, or some people's thoughts, about what actually happened. And I'm like, yeah, you can't miss the huge point. And you built a huge ship just to show... In honor! And they try, I think they said it was like $30 or $40 for ticket to go to that. Or the Jerusalem experience down in Orlando. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like I went there once because somebody somebody oh, took me. Somebody somebody I love deeply took me, right? And it was the probably the most disgusting display oh, no. of Americana Christianity mm. that I have ever seen in my life. And the fact that they called it the Jerusalem experience and then during all their shows were waving American flags everywhere and celebrating the troops, that like I seriously would have walked out if I wasn't worried about offending the people I was with. Right. Only to find out that when I left with them, they were just as disgusted as I was. So you get a left out. And so as soon as, well, I mean, we actually did end up leaving early as a group. Yeah. But I would have left earlier, except I was trying to be polite. Um, so, like, there are so many examples of ways that we have kind of built idols <laughs> and made gods of things that should have led us to the true god. And instead, we'd rather play with the golden calf. I just like the idea that there's Jerusalem in Orlando. Yeah, they yeah they went all out, man. Come so. to your retirement home, Florida, Orlando. <laughs> experience the Jerusalem. Come and see. We have <laughs> deserts. Why did the King James Bible translate the word shale to hell in the Old Testament? Ignorance or laziness? Because I wanted to. Put your mind into it's the, basic. I actually, the 16th century. I piggyback Mark. Because that's probably, sort of, and I would say that that's how they wanted to do it, and that's probably what King James authorized, and <laughs> so that's how it goes. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's what translators do. They were, the King James translators were more uh, open to interpretation, so they played around a lot more than what we do today. Today, we're not as open, hmm. but. I Actually, I've always wanted to do this. Wanted to do a comparison between the King James Bible, the Bishop's Bible, and the Geneva Bible. Like those three really early English translations that were reasonably popular. And just to kind of line them up side by side by side and be like, okay, who said which and who translated it which way? I just have not had that much. I like to do it now. I like to take like New American Standard, Revised Standard, New, New NRSV, NIV. I'm like, okay, which one still like which one took this from King James versus this one took a different thing. And then you have like something that, like a New American Standard will take something completely random and they'll put their own spin on it. I'm like, what's the point? You didn't you did not sell <laughs> what was actually said here. King James actually had it right. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of put a different weird way on it just so you can be your own translation. But I'm like. Mm. I like checking out the, uh, what is it, Romans 16, 7 or whatever, where they translate Junia. Where, is it Junius, who's an apostle, who's a dude? Or do they translate it Junia, who was, you know, outstanding among the apostles? 
or is it Junia who was well known to the apostles because we can't have women as apostles, mm. you know? And so that's like, that's a really interesting litmus test verse to look up Romans 16, seven and be like, okay, what do these translators think about women in ministry? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, I like the comic book Bible. I do. I love that Bible. I heard Batman's in it. I really, I honestly was been thinking about like sharing a story of that Bible at children's church. Sweet. You did once already, didn't you? Your question no. eight. You I kind of uh, want to do it since Easter's coming up because like it's got some pretty cool pictures. Sweet. Do it. Okay, so the next question, and I think this is kind of an interesting question. I took this from Reddit, actually, on uh, oh. Ask a Christian or something. So Reddit. It says, if hell is real, how can a person be happy in the afterlife knowing a loved one is in eternal torment? Mm. You want you want This, I, I'm going to tangent. A slight tangent. tangent Just because on. this reminds me of a story, and I'm going to butcher it. Uh, so this guy dies, and he goes, and, like, he... Is in the afterlife, and he's like he's playing these games, and he like plays I don't know like a slot machine or whatever, and he just keeps winning and winning and winning, and they keep bringing him this elaborate wonderful food, and he keeps eating all this good food over and over again. He's like, and finally he's just like, man, I'm I'm kind of tired of it, but they just keep bringing him the same food, and he keeps winning everything he does. He's like, and he complains to the angel, he's like, hey, uh, I know this is heaven, but man, this is terrible. What's the, the other place like? And then the other and the angel replied, "Who said this was heaven?" Yeah, interesting. So I kind of and granted, I don't want to get into a huge long spiel unless it's really necessary about what heaven is, because I mean we really don't know that either. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of like that's implying that I'm always going to be happy in heaven. That there's no pain, there's no suffering. Like I hate Jeremy Camp's song. Let's just go on and say that. And I know I'm on negative Nelly as it is, but. I just, I don't believe that heaven's going to be ukuleles and great like that. I, I think, I don't think we can even comment on what it is. Yeah, maybe there will be no suffering because I'm not, I don't have a physical body. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think it's kind of funny that the happiness was brought up into that question. And it made me think, well, who's to sit there and say you're happy in heaven or in hell? If, you, if you're always getting what you want, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is we should do a segment on what does heaven look like as our next topic. Like, like the movie? No, like the, the what does heaven look like as our next topic. <laughs> a tortilla bad. chip factory with salsa in it. Yes! yes. Uh, now we're on a roll. Church yes. is coming back. You no, know, we're on tortilla chips. Have you been listening? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Hey, guys, is hell in the center of the earth? No. Brendan Fraser is, though. Absolutely. Oh. (laughs) You guys just hear about him? He apparently got blackmailed. (laughs) I don't follow. You see this on BuzzFeed? Was he in the center of the earth? Was he in hell when it happened? No, he was in the movie Monkey Bone. (laughs) You should watch that. Uh, Okay, uh, well, here's hoping this episode hasn't been hell on earth for you to listen to. Uh, That's going to do it for today's show. Special thanks to Jackson Smith for our fancy new theme song. Uh, Keep on liking our Facebook page, subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. We're on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. I just submitted a bunch of requests to like three or four other like podcast places. I don't know what they are. (laughs) I don't know who who doesn't listen to a podcast on iTunes and Google Play, honestly. Who uses those other apps? Google Play for like. 
Uh, anyway, got a question, you know, maybe we can answer it. I don't know. Send them to one like equals one prayer at gmail.com or tweet us at one like prayer one one like one prayer show, I think that's what it is. It's like we record that, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. People like sidetracked uh, yourself like twice now. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Josh Kraus. Can I get a hell yeah? I'm Eric Latassi. Thank you for the cherry pie song. Whoever made that song. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm Kevin Eccles, and as always, please share one like equals one prayer.